Dear friends, here we are yet again for another edition of Fusebox, and this is show number 11, Clown Dust. More on that in a minute. But welcome, and I'm your host, Mark Rose. Thank you for joining me on this, and uh, I've got an announcement here at the top of the show. I just can't wait to announce, and here it is. We have heat. That's right. Thank you. We have heat. That doesn't mean a lot to those who haven't been following the saga of the sloshy bits on this particular program. But let me explain that uh, last month sometime, uh, like the 20th or so of March, uh, we experienced a water main breakage in the property here. And it flooded, um, put about four and a half feet of water in a crawl space under the house. And uh, so it was a, a bit of a challenge, and uh, in the process of flooding and making sloshy noises and all that kind of stuff, it took the furnace out. So that means from about March to about today, uh, we haven't had any heat in this place, <laughs> which, you know, in some parts of the country doesn't really mean anything because you got sun all the time, it's warm, it's springtime, yay! Well, that isn't the case here in the Pacific Northwest. At night, it can go down into the 30s, get kind of chilly, you know. So... uh Yes, those uh, dashing and daring men from the HVAC company came and restored the furnace. There you are. Put a brand new one in there. Yeah, buddy. Thinking we could rent the place out as a meat locker. <laughs> You're right. Well, I mean, that it, that's an option. You know, I'm thinking, because I'm looking for options every day now. You know what I mean? I'm looking for anything. So, uh, yeah, so there. That uh, particular phase, I think, is... Uh, well, as concluded and until, you know, I don't know, giant eels come up and, you know, do something. But uh, that, yeah, so that seems to be, and it was great because uh, these guys right here, see, I can't get enough of them in one place to get any warmth. So it was great that we actually had some way to get some serious HVAC going here. Yeah, well, there's no AC in this scenario now that I think about it. <laughs> it's, there's just basically heat. That's really all that's needed here. Oregon is that kind of climate. It it does stay kind of cool all the time, really. You know, I mean, summertime really doesn't kick in out here until July. That's officially summer. And in, at night, it can be, it can dip a bit, a little. So, keeps us on our toes. Uh, I, I, let me just uh, also take a moment here to thank PQ River for the, uh, the notice that uh, Fusebox had, in fact, reached 10 shows, which... 
was very nice of him to say. But in all reality, there are people on this network who have been doing thousands of shows, you know. <laughs> so I'm happy to have even got to one one hundredth of the of the way on that particular uh, thing. So thank you. That was uh, very nice. And I uh, I endeavor to do more until they carry me away, or at least until Gojira comes. All right. And also, uh, I, I haven't heard this yet, but I am I'm anxious to take uh, take a, a dive into this. The Overnightscape Central just posted a show called Show of Shows. This is number four of that particular conjugation. I was always a big fan of this. PQ had done this several times where he's invited people to build shows within the show. And uh, <laughs> those have been very entertaining over the couple of years, at least I've uh, been aware of them. And uh, this one, uh, this is epic, folks. This one appears to be nearly five hours long. <laughs> now, my contribution to that's about seven minutes, so I can't imagine what everybody else did. I'm excited to find out. So anyway... So if you have not heard the Overnightscape Central's uh, show of shows, that's just a fun place to swim. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what everybody did because they've always been fun. And speaking of fun, uh, I only heard one, but I was thoroughly delighted. Jimbo put a show up called uh, the Frank Nora Time Machine, <laughs> which uh, takes our uh, illustrious uh, network and uh program host Frank Edward Nora, and uh, over the course of his 13 years of doing this particular thing, kind of cut him up into little bits and put commentary in there and little musical bumpers and stuff, and it's uh, it's a very fun thing to listen to. I listened to the first one and was like, wow, you know, I, and, I mean, he's going back in there. He's going way back in there. Overnightscape, the Precambrian period. Well, yeah, like, I think he went, well, you know, Frank's been doing this before Dirt. So, I mean, he's got a lot of shows. He's got a lot in there. And uh, it's kind of funny because it, listening to that would be like attending your own wake. I mean, he's not dead, right? No, no, he's very much alive, thank you. But uh, it is a kind of a tribute kind of thing, you know, without being, well, it's a little kind of roasty too. But at the same time, I think it's it's more uh, more akin to the, to kind of a, a retrospective career kind of thing. It's very fun. So, um, yeah, Time Machine. I definitely would uh, would urge you to check that out if you have not. And for those of you in the Pacific Northwest area on April 23rd, yeah, who knows, you know, maybe you're traveling. I don't know. Myself and my uh, colleagues at the Willamette Radio Workshop are uh, going to do a show, a live show, at the Kiggins Theater in Vancouver, Washington, a live presentation of an adaptation of H.G. Wells' Island of Dr. Moreau, and this particular adaptation written by the extremely talented Sam Gregory. We have done this show a couple of times, but uh, this will be very interesting. Uh, Never did it in this particular venue. We have done other shows there, War of the Worlds and a bunch of other things, but this is the first time for this particular show, and it's fun. It's fun. Big drums, folks. Lots of big drums. <laughs> Lots of manimals and all sorts of stuff. It's a, a fun adaptation. I've been working with Sam for 
gosh, I think think we started working together back in 2002, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, the live thing was very different for me because, I, you know, my expertise is behind the microphone and creating things like this and not necessarily, you know, the live aspect. And uh, in his, uh, his company there, I've had the pleasure of doing both, uh, both in front and on stage and as well where I normally sit, which is uh, the sound design aspect for those shows. And uh, uh, all of the Willamette Radio Workshop shows uh, involve live Foley, several voice actors, of course, on stage. And uh, then we introduce this pre-recorded element that enhances the Foley stuff and also uh, adds a, a musical element where necessary in, you know, in, in terms of uh, underscore and scene segues and stuff like that. And this is a this is going to be a fun show. It's a, a great cast of people, m- many who have, who have done you know work on our radio programs as as well as uh, Sam's stuff, as well, of course. Just a great group. Yeah. So seriously, I you know and I know that's that's crazy because who knows who's listening to this. So if you are in the New Zealand area, I invite you to. It's a fun thing to watch. It's the way it used to be, folk. It's the way it used to be, and uh, new content, old style. I like that. So yeah, April 23rd, we are doing that. Which also explains, dear friends, why it's been a little uh, slow on the Vic and Sade development trail. There have been some momentary distractions here, which, uh, or some of them, are far beyond my control. I have to take it up with that universal consciousness entity and find out about all that. But that's the reason that we've been kind of slow to get that going, because uh, that's next. That's really next in the pipe. Get one of those suckers produced, you know what I'm saying? I really do want to do that. It's it's such a great opportunity with such a completely whacked out concept. Yeah, I really excited to do it. So, um, but we are headed that way. So stay tuned for action, action, action. The most exciting BBC broadcast of all time occurred when a nature show focused on a new bird species. And this is truly exciting. I don't believe we've ever before seen this species. Notice how close he's allowing me to get. So tiny and vulnerable. You you could imagine him just jumping into your hand. Cloud dust, baby. Freaking clouds, man. <laughs> they creep me out. You had to have that picture. <laughs> I know. I know, I know. Let me just say, and there's a bunch of people right now that already are, they're beyond this already. They've already, they've grokked it. The, uh, the cover show art for this particular episode, many will recognize as, um, one of the clowns from the uh, Chioda Brothers, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And that's precisely what it is. It's a little vinyl figure that the Chioda Brothers put out a couple of years back. And they promised us they were going to do all of the clowns because my favorite clown is not in there yet. So uh, <laughs> I'm hoping they will, in fact, do that. But yes. And again, you know, I forgot. Is it Chioda or Kyoto? I don't know. Anyway, uh, that's a brilliant piece if you've never seen it. 
It was done in the 1980s, probably late 80s, 87, 88, somewhere in there. Killer clowns from outer space. And it, uh, it, and it's really, you know, I got to say, it's really hard to uh, capture the spirit of that, like, you know, 50s teenager in peril by things from another world vibe. You know, it's really, uh, seriously, it's really hard to do. And I think they did that so well and kept that kind of campy innocence and all that that's, uh, that's actually very present in another of those films that just jazzes me to death. Love it. And that, of course, is Invasion of the Saucer Men. Yes, that's right. That's the one that has the, the little guys that are about four feet high with huge galacton-looking heads and bulgy eyes, and they're all veined. And, and they have the unique ability to uh, excrete a sort of... Uh, well, it's not really a poison, really. It, it, it intoxicates everyone. But out of their hands uh, come these little needles out of their fingertips, and they push them into the unsuspecting teenage type. And before you know it, uh, they're drunk, you know, or something, just waddling around crazy. I don't remember there being any violent deaths in that movie. It was a very funny film, uh, funny and, and kind, of, <laughs> kind of smart at the same time. But uh, most of us will remember the disembodied hand that's crawling around the back seat of the car where the two lovers are doing their thing, and the hand has an eyeball on it. There's at the top of the hand there. It's got a little eyeball. And it's looking around, and, and it's crawling around, waiting to stab people with those alcohol needles. More like that, folks. We need more like that. Keeps, keeps us all on the straight and narrow, you know? And like I said... It's, it's really hard to do that. Yeah, most people get very conscious about the kind of uh, technique they have to use and all of that. And then by the time they're all wrapped up in that, you've lost the soul of the thing you're trying to emulate there. And I think the Chiota brothers did a masterful job. And uh, they're just fun guys. They're just really fun. On the DVD of that particular film, there's a, a series of extras. And and of course, one of them is an interview with, well, all the brothers, certainly. But uh, one of the things that comes out is that uh, the, the idea of practical effects, particularly at the time that this interview was done, just doesn't seem to be as popular, you know, or wasn't at the time they conducted that interview. And it's kind of sad because, you know, the, you know like, kind of like Tim Burton did for uh, Beetlejuice. Um, most of the stuff in that film is, is, in, is in camera. It's all practical effects. And that's an art in itself. And it has a certain look, you know, which is over the top and sometimes completely unbelievable. It's a very stylistic approach. And it's personally, I really like it when it's done well. So they were just sort of remarking about the fact that so much is CG now and it's just kind of taken that industry in a different direction. So the folks who are doing effects work, visual effects, are having to kind of think that through. They're having to, okay, so that's, does that mean we start, you know, doing... 3D stuff in addition to the... Pre and I think a lot of the folks are, and that's what we're seeing in order to kind of stay stay in the game. Seriously, I, I, I hope the, the balance of that series comes out. I, I You know, they did this little vinyl line, and I, I don't know if it was self-produced or it came through Kid Robot or who it came through, but uh, they're really quite good. They're all hand-painted and everything and look look really great. So, hopefully... You actually want more clown horror? <laughs> well, I like them. <laughs> uh, so hopefully they'll finish that series and uh, we'll have more clownness to deal with.
So a wee bit of somber news. I think uh, a couple of folks have already reported on this, but um, I, I just wanted to make mention that uh, we did lose one of the great voices in our industry not too long ago, and that was Stan Freeberg, who uh, I guess he was 83, has left us an amazing legacy, uh, not only in in, ad- in the advertising world, but also in comedy and cartoons and all sorts of stuff. And this guy was a, a pioneer. <laughs> You'd have to say that. And some of the greatest voiceover folks in the world, seriously, were in his stable. Many people by name that you may not recognize, but by voice you certainly would. I'm going to bend the rules a little bit here because I have in my hot little hands an album that I actually got from the radio station years ago uh, featuring the Great Seal of Freeburg on the cover. Well, what this album was, a bunch of vignettes that Stan did for the Radio Advertising Bureau. And uh, they were all commissioned bits. And he produced them with some of the, like I said, some of the top folks in the world. The bit we're going to hear is features uh, Byron Kane, who's, when you hear his voice, you'll know him. But this one is classic. This is probably, well, it was one of my favorites. And, and, and Sam Maury and I, the gentleman that runs the Willamette Radio Workshop, we've talked about actually reproducing this bit once just because it's, it's so funny um, and so poignant. The, the thing about it is uh, there, there might be a little bit of dated material in there because this was done in the 60s. <laughs> but it's still funny. And uh, the premise being that um, the power of radio advertising is an economical choice uh, for those who who want to advertise, and they don't they don't have the money to do TV, or at least didn't at that time. And uh, so here's a great option, and here's why you should use it. And here is why you should use it. Radio. Why should I advertise on radio? There's nothing to look at, no pictures. Listen, you can do things on radio you couldn't possibly do on TV. That'll be the day. All right, watch this. <clears throat> Okay, people, and now when I give you the cue, I want the 700-foot mountain of whipped cream to roll into Lake Michigan, which has been drained and filled with hot chocolate. Then the Royal Canadian Air Force will fly overhead towing a 10-ton maraschino cherry, which will be dropped into the whipped cream to the cheering of 25,000 extras. All right, cue the mountain. Cue the Air Force. Okay, 25,000 cheering extras. Now, you want to try that on television? Well... You see, radio is a very special medium because it stretches the imagination. Doesn't television stretch the imagination? Up to 27 inches, yes. The great Stan Freeberg from... uh... This rather moldy album here called More Here Than Meets the Ear. Some new Stan Freeberg vignettes commissioned by the Radio Advertising Bureau. Like I said, this goes back to the 60s. And we heard Byron Kane as the uh, unwitting advertisor. So uh, great stuff. Just really great. And again, a testimony to the power of audio and how it can convey a message and... uh, Your mind does all the work, which is kind of how we like it around here. Voodoo Chap I have a dapper little British voodoo doll with bowler and umbrella. 
I like to take the pins out of his head and stick them in his butt to wake him up. And sometimes, when I really want to frighten him, I take off all his clothes so no one can tell what class he's from. Another dip into the slippery depths of twisted epiphanies, that one called Voodoo Chap, written by Lawrence Overmeyer and read by Jeff Pollard. Um, if you're enjoying those, and I've heard some uh, responses uh, of late that people are liking them, so uh, yeah, there'll be, there'll be more. We, we're, uh, we're knocking out a few right now, actually, and uh, a couple of them are, are rather longish. Well, longer by Twisted Epiphany's standards, but uh, a little more involved than we've done. And uh, I think they're going to be fun. I think you will enjoy them. So uh, more of that to come. And uh, right now, a public service announcement just for you. Uh, May I help you? Yeah, we're here from Good Hope Charity Services. We're here to pick up a few things. Yeah, a few things. <laughs> Honey, did, did, did you call Good Hope Charity Services to make a donation? Uh, n- no, dear, I, I don't think so. I uh, think you've gone to the wrong address there, fella. Yeah, right. Step aside, please. <laughs> yeah, out of the way. Hey, wait a minute there, Buster. What do you guys think you're doing? Yeah, just a few things. Oh, plasma screen. Plasma screen. Hey, could I, Benny? <laughs> Get out of my house. Oh, yeah, oh, you'll need to dolly that there, guys. Yeah, I'm calling the police. Uh, duct tape, Benny? Oh, yes, sir. Uh, uh, guys, restrain. Nope. Okay. Get your hands off me. Get your hands off me. Get them off me. Your grubby proletarian hands from my husband. Uh, her, too. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, her, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You stay where you are, kids. Nobody gets hurt. This is charity. Yeah, charity. It might hurt just a little to give. But give you will when the Good Hope Charity Services guys come to your doorstep. And once you've recovered from what is often a traumatizing experience, you'll be glad you were able to help someone a little less fortunate than you. Either way, you'll definitely give. Give till it hurts. That's what they say. A piece there from the now prehistoric podcast program, Area 51. That delightful bit there featuring vocal stylings of uh, Susan Zeitlin, Eric Newsom, and Douglas Scott. You know, it's really funny. I mean, regarding this, this recent uh, podcast blip that's happening... Uh, you know, there's been a real resurgence in this form uh, of, of recent days. And, I, you know, I find even in my inbox from like sales and marketing companies, you know, all, everybody encouraging everybody to do podcasts and here's how and download this little thing and we'll show you all this. And back in the day, I remember <laughs> I couldn't get any of my business associates to even raise an eyebrow of interest at doing this even though it would have reached, even then, you know, millions of people, potentially. They'd usually come back with, really? Like, who listens to that? Well, Bucky, about 40 million people right now, evidently. Those are the current stats. 
it's it's becoming so widespread that uh, I even found my Japanese pocket squirrels podcasting under a bed. No, really. God only knows what they're doing. I mean, you know, as far as I know, they're trying to, you know, crack the database at Petco and get free ferret food. I mean, in a weird way, what's happening now with, with podcasts and stuff, it's kind of like what happened with, uh, you know, coffee shops all of a sudden opening up everywhere. It was like every every 25 feet there was another one. That pretty much, you know, especially out here in Portland where it, it uh, it's always been very popular and there's a good reason for that. It's great coffee. But they have one every 20 feet. I went into my bathroom, opened the cat. Welcome to Starbucks. Can I help you? Oh, man, they're really spurring it up all over. Right. Right. See? Yeah. Those guys aren't even from here. Well, this is sort of tangentially related. I was thinking of coffee, and it made me think of commercials, and it made me think of why I don't own a television. (laughs) Seriously, I haven't had a television since um, those two big buildings came down in Manhattan. I watched the news on all that, and something was not ringing very true, and I felt like uh, I was being spun like a like a Maytag dryer, and sort of unplugged it, never looked back, and never regretted it. I do have this little Apple TV thingy, and you know, you get Netflix and all that kind of stuff. But also, if you happen to have the version of Apple TV that I have, which is the second generation, yes, I know, it's only 720p. But it's crackable. And it gives you a big stone quotes here, folks. Season pass pass. to the land of obtainment. I got to say, you know, even Apple knows they've all done this. There's a group out there called Firecore that's just done an amazing job in opening up its little guts so that things can go in there that are very interesting. And one of those things that's very interesting is this thing called XBMC, which has been available for PC platforms for quite a while because the guys who designed this particular thing, that's right, Xbox Media Center, that's right, those guys, they have given away their um, their interface. And uh, many uh, developers have created portals into this interface that, it, well, lands you right into the land of obtainment. I mean, seriously. Although you cannot download things, dear friends, it's not that kind of system, you can view a lot of stuff. And some of the stuff that you can view is <laughs> it's more than current, let me tell you. And it's been great because uh, for me, that, that I do like to add to my own library in terms of, yes, the actual packaged variety. It's been great because you can look at a lot of this stuff and try to figure out whether or not that is something you, in fact, do want to add to the ever-growing library up there. And so, for me, it's been about 70% awful. And it's that precious 30%, though, that's really good, and you go out and buy it. And that's what I typically do. And my taste is a little weird. I'll, you know, I'll be honest. It's not, it isn't normal. But I will sample everything because it's it's available. And what isn't available on Netflix is certainly available in here. And uh, it's good to just check stuff out and see what it is. I'm sorry. I just wouldn't pay for a lot of this stuff I'm seeing. It's, uh, really? As a matter of fact, I want everybody's money back for some of them. I'm just, it's so, yeah. You feel kind of gypped, really. Yeah. I think 
what's happening lately with television and maybe even films to some degree, certainly. It's suffering from what I call the boiling frog syndrome, where, you know, we think it's a great show because we can't recall easily what a truly great show was because we're oftentimes being bedazzled by this technical wizardry or some other diversion like fast editing or God, who knows what, your favorite star, whatever. So it's akin to that lowly frog slowly boiling in the pot who doesn't really sense that the temperature is increasing ever so gradually and eventually the poor devil... Right. Meaning that we're sitting there watching these shows and we're thinking, oh, that's really good, that's kind of really great... But seriously, I don't think many of these shows are going to retain their aura of greatness in future years. I've, I've seen some of these that people have recommended as being the best television ever, and, I'm, I, and I'm, I, I, I guess I'm watching the wrong show. I don't, I don't get it. I honestly don't. Um, some of these shows are going to make it, but to use uh, Theodore Sturgeon's law here, it'll be a very slim percent probably 4% that will actually rise to the surface. Coming this fall on the Pink and Chewy Candy-Coated Bubblegum Network, get ready for two brand new superheroes when you meet extreme right-wing conservative filthy rich Republican man and lukewarm moderate filthy rich Democratic man. (laughs) Okay, first we're gonna beat you senseless and and then we're gonna steal all your stuff and assault the women folk. This sounds like a job for extreme right-wing, conservative, filthy, rich Republican man. Help, Republican man! So, these dastardly rascals are going to beat you senseless, steal your stuff, and assault all the women. That's right, extreme right-wing, conservative, filthy, rich Republican man. (laughs) And what are you gonna do about it? Absolutely nothing. These people are responsible for the impoverished circumstances of their lives. I say, get a job and buy a gun. Republican man! Republican man! Thanks, Republican man. Okay, we're gonna eat you. (laughs) But high up in an ivory tower, lukewarm, moderate, filthy, rich Democratic man is ready to leap into action. The uh, criminal uh, exploitation of these people is uh, entirely uh, unacceptable. Dang it. Uh, therefore, yeah, I'm calling for the uh, formation of a Blue Ribbon Commission to examine the circumstances which uh, gave rise to the types of criminal mischief that uh, have yielded such suffering in the lives of uh, these innocents. Uh, thanks, Democratic man. <laughs> <laughs> Extreme right-wing conservative filthy rich Republican man. And how precisely do you propose to pay for your blue ribbon commission? Not with my tax dollars. And lukewarm, moderate, filthy rich Democratic man. Uh, But uh, senseless uh, violence just breaks my heart. Uh, You'll get over it. Round of golf? Yeah, okay. Get him, boys. (laughs) 
extreme right-wing and lukewarm moderate filthy rich and useless superheroes this fall on the pink and chewy candy-coated bubblegum network and that bit reminds me that uh for those of you who are netflix subscribers you probably get that little notice that they send out every once in a while we've added a show and we think you should well uh, i got that notice a few days ago and uh it was in reference to Daredevil, which is a, a Marvel series that is now um, being adapted. And um, gotta say, I like it. <laughs> Just simple as that. Just like it. I used to read those books when I was uh, very young, collected them, liked the series. Uh, for those who are a guy, or Daredevil is a guy who is uh, an attorney by the name of Matt Murdock. He lost his sight at an early age and uh, and has kind of devoted his life now to fighting crime. And crime is just about as ugly in this as it was in the original books. Dear friends, it's pretty ugly. Kind of, actually at times, kind of uh, cringy. Yeah. Uh, nice casting, I thought. And uh, the lighting is beautiful in this thing. It does harken back to the way I... Kind of remember John Ramita drawing it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's good. He's even credited in the thank yous there, which is always nice. Kind of a list of people who have uh, illustrated that character over the over the years. I haven't followed it, you know, since I was you know twelve. <laughs> so I don't I don't know where it went. But uh, anyway, um, I'm enjoying it. I think it's fun. I think it has a little of that Joss Whedon edge, even though Whedon didn't have anything to do with this. It does have uh, an integrity of characterization that seems, you know, a little deeper than just everybody scowling all the time and it's very dark and then, you know, something happens. And, and so I'm enjoying it and I recommend you check it out if you haven't and if you have the, the Netflix thingy. Because, you know, folks, television is a big beast. And for some reason, it has an insatiable appetite and cannot be fulfilled, evidently. It's just got to be fed all the time. Sometimes the things that it gets fed are junk. But there you go. And speaking of beasts... You're just a sorcerer of segway. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, I've been trying to figure out a place to put this thing, and I've found it now. This is a piece from the soon-to-be-released Cryle Gaust audio collection called transcription. It's a charming little melody about a boy and his mutating T-Rex. Entitled Innovative Disruption. Please enjoy responsibly.
And at the sound of the big splash, uh, that is going to wrap this edition of Fusebox Clown Dust. I hope you have enjoyed the, albeit short, ride, perhaps, this time. Next time, a big bell ringer size announcement. And I do mean big. Also, if I can, because I'm certainly going to be sticking that rude device in people's faces all the time, a peek into the live show we're doing next week, some pre-show stuff and some probably post-show stuff, which will probably be at a watering hole, knowing this crew. <laughs> but it should be fun. And uh, I know there'll be lots of people that will like to say lots of things. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. It'll be, a, it'll be a fun thing to grab. For this particular episode, again, special thanks to the wonderful vocal acrobatics of Eric Newsom, Jeff Pollard, Douglas Scott, and Susan Zeitlin, who, by the way, is celebrating a birthday today. So a happy birthday to you, my dear. And I hope we get to do some more stuff here in this funny little room, making funny little vocal noises very soon. So uh, thanks to you, dear friends, for once again pushing play on this episode. I've been Mark Rose, your non-parasitic host, saying until our next cartoon. Cartoon. 